We can talk about anything you want as Jayflon's ignorance. Welcome to Jayflon's ignorance. This is episode 37, I think. Yeah, 37. So we've got 36 in the can, but we haven't released it yet. Uh, yeah. So what I thought we'd talk about today is generational wealth, if that's what you want to talk about. Or did you have other things in mind? Or No, I, I'm good for... All right, so here's... Here's my pitch on how the world should work. I'm I'm all for business people or uh, making a, a lot of money by inventing things and um, offering services that other people want to pay money for, and they end up making a lot of money. And hopefully, they're treating their employees well along the way. So, like, hopefully, their employees are getting compensated fairly. Hopefully, the people that are actually doing the work in my world are the ones reaping most of the rewards. But the fact that someone has to uh, organize all the hiring and firing and all of the incoming contracts and be the salesperson that goes out from client to client and make sure the next client's coming in and, you know, talks to the bank all the time and files all the taxes and, you know, all that stuff. Like, I think that stuff is work that should be uh, rewarded and is rewarded at the top of most companies that don't go bankrupt. And I think that's totally fine, right? Like that's all work that I don't want to do as a worker. So like I'm I'm a programmer and I don't want my boss's job. My boss's job sucks and I'm sure he makes more money than I do, <laughs> but I don't want that job. I would be miserable having my boss's job, right? Mm-hmm. And I've run a small business before and made like almost no money running my little small business consultancy, one man consultancy that I was doing. Um, and all of the work that you have to do to run a small business is not fun at all, in my opinion. I don't enjoy running business, like all of the crap you have to do, all of the paperwork, you know, and that's just a one person thing. Like, you know, I don't even have to have uncomfortable conversations with myself because I'm only one employee, <laughs> right? And so all of the management overhead, et cetera, I totally get the, it, it seems equitable to me that there are people who are doing jobs that nobody else wants to do and they're getting well compensated for it. And that's totally fine. I don't have a problem with that. So you invent a thing. I say, say I invent a thing. I invent a thing and that thing, I, I, do, I do an app on the Google Play Store and the Apple Tune, you know, whatever. And people love this app and they download it 5 million times and there's skins and you can pay five bucks and you get, you know, the, an extra, you know, skin for the whatever in the video game. And everyone's just paying $5 or $25 to buy it in the first place or whatever. And it's a hugely successful business. And suddenly there's millions of dollars and a lot of that's gone into my pocket and I'm a millionaire. I feel like that's capitalism working the way that capitalism is supposed to work. As long as if I have employees, I'm compensating them fairly, everything's totally fine. But if I make $50 billion, getting to the subject that I think you and I have some disagreements about, (laughs) generational wealth, if I have $50 billion and then I have like a dozen children, right? And those dozen children decide that what they want to do with their lives is they just want to, well, let's say, say 10 of them. All they want to do is sit on the yachts all over the world and do no work ever. Right. And two of them actually go get jobs and they do labor and they're the labor that they're doing is value valuable to the community, right. To society, like people, they're creating goods or services or doing nonprofit work or whatever, but they're actually working. They're actually generating things in the world that are helping other people, whether those things are money or for money or for free or whatever. The, if I have $80 billion, and my 12 kids and all my 12 kids have 12 kids. So now there's 144 grandchildren, right? And those 144 all have 12 children. And now there's 1,700 children. I don't think that me being successful doing my little app to the point, even if it's the most popular app that's ever existed in the world, 
it doesn't seem fair to me that society has to bear the burden of these 14,000 great grandchildren <laughs> that I've spawned into existence where they never work a day in their lives. They never clean a toilet the day in their lives. They never pick up their clothes. They never make their bed. They never mow a lawn. They never do anything because they've all decided to live off this prosperity of their great, great grandfather. $80 billion, uh, you know, is a lot of money and can support a lot of people in perpetuity. The way that our economy works is that if you have a lot of money, you can make money by having money. Right. And I can just learn, earn off the, uh, live off the interest of putting that money in the bank, putting that money in the stock market, diversifying it across portfolios of property and whatever, like vehicles are always, well, some vehicles are actually good investment, but most vehicles are, you're going to lose money. But if I'm buying McLarens and stuff, and just by owning the McLaren, I've made $2 million because that specific model year of McLaren's worth 2 million more, <laughs> whatever. Mm -hmm. I buy a Van Gogh painting for a million dollars and now it's worth $10 million. Now I've made $9 million to me. The, the the people that in brings things into society for the very first time can get insanely filthy wealthy, and I don't mind that. And maybe they never work a day in their lives again. And I don't even mind that because what you did apparently was so valuable to so many people that they freely decided that they're going to give you $10 for this video game. And, you know, a billion people did that, and now you've got $10 billion. Great. You know, feel free to never work a day in your life again. But to have their children and their children's children and their children's children and children's children never work ever, to me, that's a problem. And so I think the solution to that is what is disparagingly called the death tax, right? Or if you're <laughs> pro-death tax, you call it the inheritance tax because <laughs> death tax makes it sound like a bad thing, like you're being taxed for dying. Anyway, whatever you call that thing, when I transfer my massive wealth to my children – I think that the government should say, hey, uh, society is bearing the costs of all of your kids running around all over the place, and uh, taxation of that wealth is uh, a good thing, and I think I'm pro-death uh, tax. So there's my pitch. What do you think? Well, I, I think that a lot of where my, my issues come in with the death tax is the things that are kind of uh, – I, I guess to start off, the things that um, – are kind of more like uh, presuppositions that we kind of are just assuming are true before we kind of proceed in the argument. And um, one of those things is the kind of the ground that you're kind of um, basing how you feel about this is that, um, that they just have money and they're not producing any physical goods and therefore they are a burden to society because they're not making something physical. Correct. Uh, so at, at what point and to what extent is that true in and of itself? And um, so, so I'm going to say all rich people are a burden on society if they're not producing anything for society. If all they're doing is living for free off the fat, well, not for free, they're paying for stuff, right? But if all they're doing is consuming, like if I'm going to spend 80 years, an 80 year lifetime just consuming crap that people give me, right? Because I have this big pile of money, right? Mm -hmm. And so people just hand me things and do stuff for me for my entire life. And I never work a day in my life. That to me is someone who's a leech on society. And then I guess that that kind of leads to the second presupposition, which is that 
once you have money in the bank that there that you kind of stop you you cease being a productive individual and therefore the value that you're providing isn't worth the money that you've already earned no i think rich people can be productive in society or they can be leeches on society right and those both both of those things do happen i think there are some really amazing rich people that do really amazing things and good for them right but i think there's also really rich people that you know, this is this is the the thousands or hundreds of thousands i don't know of people called the idle rich and all the idle rich do is sit in resorts all over the world and play golf all over the world and drive cars and you know because they're sitting on so much wealth that they can just do this they can just produce nothing for society their entire lifetimes because they inherited a gajillion dollars yeah and i i do i i guess i get that i guess um the spending of the money part that they've maybe inherited uh, at least depends to me on how they inherited that money and what they did um it what they're doing to produce anything now doesn't really matter as long as the money that was inherited was produced in an honest way okay so so you think if i earn 80 billion dollars with my app that my the next four generations of me can never work a day in their life and that's fine yeah and and that's because of what savings represents and generally speaking, I think that the $80 billion is kind of an extreme oops, extreme example. But one thing that maybe isn't explicitly stated is that what savings itself is a deferment or, or it's basically an uh, underconsumption of goods. In other words, you produce more than you consume. Um, I think, um, it means my great grandfather produced more than I consume, right? But, but that I do is, nothing but consume my entire life. And you're fine with that. And I think that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess what I'm getting at here is, is that somebody under consumed in order to pass the money on to somebody else. Yeah. And, and the fact that it's passed on to un somebody else doesn't change the underlying way or means in which that money was obtained. If I died tomorrow um, and, and everything that me and Kelly owned together was strictly just passed on to her, um, that, that doesn't change whether or not um, that money was obtained in a um, honorable way. Yeah, I'm not worried about working people. Like you've right. worked your whole life. So, and I'm I not think, worried about you. So we have an extreme case, the one that you talked about. But I think that in a lot of times, um, what savings represents and what we have to consider it as being as is a an underconsumption or deferment of spending money. And some people who live regular everyday lives like mine underconsume so much that they have a surprising amount to pass on to future generations. Um, people live their life and um, uh, because they're deferring spending money on things, uh, the people that are around them get shocked at how much money they're inheriting, inheriting from them. And in that particular case, um, now I don't know the specifics of your uh, inheritance tax or death tax, but um, it doesn't seem – it doesn't seem right in those cases 
to say that one deserves to be taxed more than the other because both are just under-consuming in order to pass on wealth. And um, I, I think that actually lives, uh, leads to another um, presupposition that we never really test, which is how can we say that it's more just to have the government take that money in the form of a tax than it is to pass it on to uh, the people that uh, earned the money to begin with has designated to receive it. Um, what what is what is it about uh, government taxation that justifies doing such a thing? I guess it it, it seems to me like um, uh, either the position is that the government will spend it better than all these yahoos that inherited it who didn't earn it. Or we just need to make sure that those uh, yahoos are out there producing something of value to society instead of just sitting there living off savings. So I guess what's the advantage of giving it to the government over the people that it was in, that were intended to receive it? I guess because if my great great grand say say I was the heir an heir to an eighty billion dollar fortune, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the really rich great-grandparent of mine right that did something you know amazing like invented dynamite or whatever and made gajillions of dollars john d rockefeller right so i'm a rockefeller so he did that thing uh, what 50 years before i was he's dead 50 years before i was born mm -hmm. or something i don't know timelines are hard what what's happening now is that because there's a number in a computer at a bank, I live in a society where everyone who's alive today, my entire lifetime, now is slave labor to me because I have this number in this bank which says, oh, well, shit, I just throw $100 here and $1,000 here and $100,000 here and a million dollars here, and everyone does everything for me my entire lifetime. Right? Mm-hmm. So I never have to produce anything and everyone else around me, you know, picture society is like an ant hill, right? All the other ants have to work their entire lives. They have to work to survive, but not me. I don't have to work because there's a number in a computer somewhere that says, oh, I don't have to work anymore because my great grandfather invented a thing that was very valuable. That, that to me is crazy that it's okay that in my lifetime, everyone around me has to do all the work, and I don't have to do any work. That's crazy to me. So you're saying that it's okay for the government to take it because – Not all of it. Um, I'm just saying I'm pro-death tax, meaning that when you have over you know whatever – I don't know what the, the current death tax stuff is. But you know, if you've got – say up to, well, I don't know, a million dollars. You got a million dollars, you can just give it to your kids and that's fine. And we don't even take anything. But once you've got like $15 million and $20 million and $100 million and $150 million, we're going to set up these tax brackets which say, hey, there's an inheritance tax on this crap and you can't not work a day in your life to the extent... Uh, no, you still can. Like, that's the thing is you can take all that money and build schools with it and build <laughs> roads and pay teachers and, you know, have 
COVID vaccinations that, <laughs> that we can pay for because as a society, as the, as the ant colony of all of us together that are actually doing things that are productive, that um, we say, hey, uh, you give some of that to the government and the government is going to put it into programs that are good for everybody. And I, I think that's a, the thing to do. And and what drives me absolutely off the wall, you know, listening to like uh, <laughs> like Pitchfork Economics, you've listened to a few of those now, but they were describing it as, you know, like some of the taxation on the on the wealthy that they're looking at. It's not even that they're trying to stop people from being insanely wealthy because even under these most, quote, left-wing taxation regimes – everyone that is insanely wealthy is still going to be insanely wealthy, right? It sounds like you're taking a lot of money from them, but they earned that much money in interest off the money that they were sitting on. <laughs> like all, all that they're trying to do in some of these cases is slow down the acceleration of the ultra wealthy away from everyone who has to work for a living, who doesn't have a choice, Right. They're just trying to slow down. The, the proposal is, hey, let's have this tax scheme, and that tax scheme will slow down how far they're rocketing away from everyone that has to work for a living in terms of their personal wealth. And even that can't get passed so far in America, <laughs> which just blows me away. And this didn't used to be the case. Well, in World War II, the marginal income tax rate over $10 million was like 80% or whatever. We used to keep 80% of the freaking money over you know some insane amount of money in uh, – you know, it's only in like my lifetime that you can be insanely wealthy and your tax rates are as low as they are now. So, yeah. So I, I guess I don't understand the principle behind uh, using taxation. Well, let me let me back up. I think the purpose behind taxation should be about generating the most amount of revenue from the for the government, not about inhibiting growth for specific individuals over an arbitrary point. No, I think the role of government is to provide public schooling where kids that don't have shit can go to good schools and eat food and have housing. And these are all just basic human fundamental things that as a rich nation, we should be providing to everyone at the bottom, a safety net through which you cannot fall at the bottom. Well, I guess I just don't believe in safety nets in the sense that I don't I don't think that people are entitled to the lives of others. Um, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not entitled because I need to eat to have somebody pay for that food for me. I'm not entitled to any portion of their life and the value that they bring, um, in order for me to do something that I should be providing for myself. Um, I mean, that is a very generic statement and I understand that there are, that parents do have the responsibility to care for their children up to a certain age. But I don't think that things that are services um, are in the, I don't think it's in the best interest of the government to try to guarantee those things because then, and, and, and see, this is kind of where, you know, getting into topics like this kind of really take people <laughs> off into like really sidebar topics because it gets off the subject. My friend says every single episode we do is just about wealth disparities. <laughs> And I'm like, yep, that's uh, oh, yeah. that's the most interesting thing where I think Chris and I can have a conversation. <laughs> We're like yeah. on different sides of this thing, I think. And yeah, and you know, and I I, I feel like um, in a super rich nation, we can't have a safety net. Uh, it's not that we can't. I don't know that. Um, um, 
taking money from people that have earned it and giving it to people that haven't earned it is one, the morally thing, morally right thing to do. And two, I don't think it's the best thing to do in order to morally right to let them starve. But do they starve? No, I don't know. I don't know of anybody that starves to death in the United States. I don't know if they get food because of the government either. Um, I think that's also a, a presupposition that is just kind of, so, and this is another thing that I think that arguments like this, not arguments, but debates about this topic kind of fail to uh, point out to people is that the government itself doesn't produce anything of value. It just, it just literally redistributes wealth. Yeah. Right. And, and I don't think that the, uh, moral grounds to do such a thing is really founded in any moral principles that I know of. And and that's because what people try to tend to do is base uh, the reason to do this on another presupposition, which is never verified or even thought about by people, is that wealth or money is not just distributed to begin with. Um, the fact that me and you make as much as we do and somebody that's just starting off in life makes a small fraction of that isn't because um, there's some strange guy out there or person or uh, entity um, allocating that money to us, right? Or 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 distributing that money to us uh, like you would a uh, social security check. It's it's uh, we are earning that money, and it's uh, it's more along the lines of people that are how t- how tall are you? Uh, six, three and a half, yeah. the doctor tells me in bare feet, <laughs> which so, makes me sad because I thought I was six, four for decades. So now I'm so, sad. So some people are born, you know, and they're six, three and a half. And then some people are born like me that are just five foot five and a half. And, uh, uh, because they lost a half an inch of height while they were in the army carrying rucksacks around. And, and just along those same lines, uh, people are born into lives and mature into lives where they just make different amounts of money. And that does vary by a lot, but there's nothing inherently evil about that um, to the same extent uh, that it's not evil that you're six, three and a half and I'm five, five and a half. There's nothing. It, it, it's just how things are. So, so if you're, we elect you president uh-huh. and then, we say, oh yeah, you know, Chris can just be our benevolent dictator forever. What what is the role of government in in terms of safety nets? Uh, are, are there safety nets, or there's no safety nets? I, I don't think uh, I don't think the government actually provides any safety nets. They just provide. No, I'm saying you're the you're now king of the world. You're king of the United States. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So so tell me what in your king of the United States would you do? In terms of safety nets, would you throw all the ones that we have away? I certainly don't think it would be right to do that instantaneously to because and that's 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 kind of where I think um, I, I think that's kind of where we fail to identify what happens. And what what happens is, is that people um, feel like the government is the ones providing these things to them. And one, I don't think it's the government providing these things to them. It's other people that have earned it. And they're taking it from those individuals. And two, I think that it kind of creates this level of dependency um, that there is no pushback to get out of. In fact, it's incentivized to continue on with the same 
uh, repetitive, uh, destructive sort of feedback loop that the government provides to individuals and gives them this sense of entitlement that they are entitled to the lives and, and, and work of others. And I just don't think that that's moral and I don't think that it helps people as a whole. Okay, um, so, so you wouldn't take it away right away, but you'd implement a plan. So over the next five years, we're going to do away with all these things or something. You, yeah. I you mean, transition away from food stamps, for example. Yes. Um, but with the caveat that I don't think, uh, to me, it goes both ways. I don't think, um, uh, corporate welfare and things like that and handouts and things to them should be completely gone. I think that, uh, you, you think they should be completely gone or no? Oh yeah, for okay. sure. I, I don't think that, uh, so part of the farm bill, and I think we've even talked about this before, um, is food stamps. And we did that because we are artificially raising, uh, the price of food, um, by subsidizing farmers, quote unquote. And, and this is what, uh, even at the time, I think in the early 2000s, where at least um, I remember estimates, I think just from reading material, was that uh, they proposed that um, the farm bill itself, just an estimated increased food cost over the course of a decade, would cost would cost people each individual four thousand dollars over that 10 year period. And that's money that they're literally taking from everyday people, um, both poor and rich and giving it to farmers because these farmers have, um, manipulated, uh, uh, politicians who have then manipulated people into saying that, well, this is a good deal. And along the same lines, people realized that this would happen and they, yeah, so, uh, so you're saying the farm bill is bad. Like, what should the government actually do? Does the government is the government responsible for national defense? The government, yes, I think that they should have a monopoly on uh, uh, national defense. Okay, and, so we so we need militaries. And yes. the government should pay for those, and people should pay taxes to pay for the military. I do think the government has a responsibility to protect its borders and its citizens. Right. Okay. And where we get that money is through taxes, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to have taxes. So we're going to take everybody's money to a certain extent through some scheme to defend our borders mm-hmm. for sure. Okay. But other than that, do you think Medicare is a good idea? Like if old people are infirm and they don't have any fucking money, should Medicare, Medicaid exist? So, and this is where I, I kind of, um, and it seems like we're really kind of going down these crazy rabbit holes here, but because <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> I think we we're originally going to talk about savings, but no, we we're going to talk about generational wealth. Right? Yeah. And so my pitch was, Hey, it's not cool that somebody can make so much money that 14,000 of their children, grandchildren never have to work a day in their lives. That's not cool because the people who supposedly uh, generated all the you know value for society they're dead they've been dead for 150 years <laughs> like why why is it that all the other ants have to work for them forever right and what you said is that you don't you don't think the death tax is a good idea you think as long as they've earned it fairly they're not bernie madoffing anyone right and they should be in prison as long as they're earning it fairly then it's okay for for 14 generations of children to never have to work and that's that's totally fine right and so that that led to okay well what what is fair taxation right so now i'm trying to figure out okay well what what is fair taxation what should the, gov- the role of government be in your system right so we yeah. do we need, do need national defense so we're going to tax people to, we're going to take their money by force 
and we're going to build a military to make sure Canada doesn't invade us or, you know, whatever we're going to do. Um, and then my next question was Medicare, because I, I think I'm going through the big federal line items, right? Like Medicare, mm-hmm. Medicaid are actually bigger than national defense, I think, the defense budget, but minus the black budgets and whatever. But, you know, these are the big things. This is the U.S. government is basically Medicare and Medicaid. Right. <laughs> with a military on the side. <laughs> and that's the vast majority of what the feds spend all of our tax money on. Mm-hmm. So, and, so should we, you know, so I, so I don't know where else to take the conversation. Do you, do you want to take it somewhere else? No, no, no. I mean, we can keep going down these things. I, like, I guess I, uh, I guess I don't get it. I don't I don't get how I don't get how it's OK. Like if we're on an island and there's 50 of us and we all have to gather firewood or we're going to freeze. We have to catch fish or we're going to die. We, 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 you know, everyone needs to pitch in to survive. But this one guy says, oh, no, I've got a bank account. And so all I do is I just give you all these, you know, pieces of paper and I don't have to work a day in my life. And that's fine. And it's like, what? <laughs> How is that fine? <laughs> so like, say you had 10 kids and you had a shitload of money and you had 10 kids. You don't I mean, you have a work ethic. You want your kids to work. Right. But mm-hmm. if you have a shitload of money, is it OK if they just none of them ever do anything? They just play video games for 80 years and then die. I mean, I don't care if they do. I mean, as long as as long as they're spending savings that they got in an honorable way. I mean, it's, that's their choice. They deferred or somebody deferred spending to the point to where they could pass that money on. And that's really all that matters to me. And I don't really feel like them living off of savings is a burden on society because the benefit to society has already been paid for. So now, and, you're, so now you're working at a country club and you're the only person that has to do all the work while everyone else just sits around and waits for you to do stuff. That's, well, I mean, as long okay. as they're paying me, I mean, <laughs> job security, I guess. I don't know. They're, they're paying you enough to survive. Yeah, they're paying you enough that you can eat and you can pay rent somewhere. And that's just fine, huh? Like, that's yeah, the I mean, world. he's the five foot five version of a paycheck, right? I mean... Uh, he needs to either whoever that person is just needs to figure out how to, to uh, change his life or their life so that way they can make more money if that's what they want. Hmm. I, I mean, I can't. Uh, it, it's hard to uh, imagine a world in which um, we're asked what we we want. You know, life just doesn't ask us what we want. It presents us with options, and we have to make the trade offs. W- one thing that. When I was going to school originally um, in college, uh, one of my uh, buddies uh, went, and I, maybe we've even talked about this before, but he uh, he went it he went right into working, and uh, um, he was doing auto body, and um, both of us actually were doing auto body, but I was uh, not working as much and um, primarily focused on school, whereas he was kind of making a lot of money, right? And I was not making a lot of money um, because I was working less, um, but I also was trying to pay for my tuition outright. Uh, that meant that I was foregoing wages in order for uh, promises of higher rewards later on. So when I graduate and then I make two or three times as much as him, it, it doesn't seem fair to say, well, this wealth gap between me and him is getting out of control. Let's, let's take money from, from, from Chris and give it to him 
um, who didn't make the necessary upfront sacrifices or sacrifices in general in order to obtain the human capital that I did. That is the – that's the basics of it. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I totally I, agree with you because like any scenario you give me where two equals make different choices and they come to different results, well, you know, that's – the way you know, there you go. You made choices, and you have different results. Yeah, and, and that's and, all there is to say about that. That's fine. And back to the original uh, uh, conversation, I don't think that savings itself is a burden on society. It's just deferred um, expenditures uh, and saving for a rainy day. Like, uh, let's say it was me and you on an island, and uh, we just grew up there. We didn't know anything different, but we knew that there was fish around, and every day we had to fish to get a single fish, which was our absolute minimum in order for survival. If we didn't spend every minute of every waking day to get this fish, we would die eventually. We would, you know, if it went on for too long, we would starve to death. Mm -hmm. Let's say in this process, I think of this idea that I can make something called a fishing net uh, where I can catch two fish a day. But it's going to take me a day's worth of work in order to create this idea. You know, there's risk involved with me trying to create this fishing net because I'm going to be without a fish for a day and Mm -hmm. it might not work. Let's say I I make the sacrifice. I I make the fishing net. um, I I lose a fish for a day, but the second day um, I catch two fish and I make up for it. Um, Now, every day I can catch two fish every day, which means that I've cut my workload in half. Either I can work all day and not work the next day, um, or I can just, you know, just work half the time each day. It doesn't matter, right? I I just freed up half of my time because of this invention that I made. Me having this invention and you being on the island uh, and working every day and me only having to work half as much because of my invention, um, there's there's no negative consequence to you about this, right? You're still the same that you were. Yeah. I, and, uh, right. Yeah. Although I'm accumulating this wealth, I could work for a week. And it's, if um, if I work for a week and then, you know, I'm just laying there, you know, on my couch watching you work every day while I'm sitting there not eating or not working, but still consuming fish. Um, you're not better off. You're just the same. And I'm better off because of my invention. If you think to yourself, well, I want this invention, too, so I could only work half as much. Um, but um you see that I've accumulated all this wealth, this week's worth of savings, and you need a day to create yours. All you have to do is say, hey, you've got five extra fish. Can I borrow one so I don't have to go hungry today, and I'll pay you back a fish and a half um, after I have enough to pay you back? Um, yeah. That means that you've actually benefited from my savings. You've ended up with a, with a, a net, and you have actually saved the rest of half of your life um, for fishing. And, and that's the difference between what I guess the way I'm viewing savings and, and deferment and all these other things is that it's a culmination of a lot of ideas that, um, somebody can just be having cappuccinos all day and not doing a physical job, but that doesn't mean that they're not benefiting society. Um, they're benefiting society partly, if anything, they're creating jobs for other people at a minimum. Well, and I want to I want to agree with you in terms of people that start out, generally speaking, on equal terms, and then they make different decisions and then have very different results. I agree with you. Like everything you're saying, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying in scenarios that you're giving me where 
amongst equals, people make different decisions. They have different results. That's all there is to it. What, what I'm not able to communicate somehow is that there exists in our society classes of people that are so insanely wealthy, like off the charts wealthy, like not they have seven fish. I'm talking about they have seven million fish. (laughs) (laughs) Right. They they didn't even earn that that crap. Their great-grandfather passed that down to them, right? And they can just sit and order takeout every day for 80 years and then die on their seven, you know, going around in their 80 yachts all over the, the country while all of the rest of us, because they have this stuff we call money, because they have this stuff called money, we're like, ah, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll bring you <laughs> food again. I'll bring you food again. I'll bring you food again. I'll bring you food again. And they never have to do any kind of work. And I don't, I don't understand, like I'm agreeing with you on the scenarios you're giving me. And I, what I'm not understanding is how it is that, it's not so blatantly different in your mind. If I've got a quad quintillion us dollars, like say only like 200 trillion us dollars exist or whatever. And I have in my bank account more money than has ever been produced in the entire lifetime of, of humanity. That that money is just sitting in my bank account that, I'm saying something has gone wrong with the system that you can go your entire lifetime, never have to work a day in your life while everyone around you has to work all day, every day to keep you happy that something has gone wrong. And that's not how society should work. And one of the ways you correct that is through inheritance tax or death tax or whatever you want to call it, where you say, look, (laughs) there are, even if we're not going to have any social safety nets, right? All we're going to do is stop Canada from invading us. And oh, we didn't even you didn't even tell me whether or not we're gonna you know give medical care to uh, poor old people, but whether or not we do that, just to keep Canada from invading us, right? We have to tax people, and it seems ridiculous to me not to tax money in an inheritance because I didn't do that work. My dad did, my great grandfather did, whatever. I didn't provide value to society, so take some of it. You know, and in my you know view of it, it would be a fairly aggressive take some of it, <laughs> and maybe we would agree on take less of it. But so far, what I'm hearing you say is that no, you can't take any of it. That it's just because somebody dies, isn't the, the like it should just go all of it, 100 percent should go to whoever you designated to to get it. And you know, so and I, I don't get it. So that that's the gap I think between the two of us is I don't understand when you're insanely wealthy how that's morally okay to make everyone else do all the work around you um, just because a computer says that there's a number over there. You know, I, I don't understand how that's fair. Because um, it's not like we started the U.S. dollar in our lifetimes, right? It's not like you and I in 1980 you know, or whatever the fuck we were both alive. In 1980, they're like, oh, okay, there's going to be, you know, one million of these things and we're just going to spread them around and then everyone can make their own choices and everyone can, you know, rise or fall with their the, their decisions. <laughs> it's not like that. The wealth came down generally, generationally from uh, so much of the wealth is generational wealth that uh, that it's that's, it's a rigged system and I don't like the way it's rigged and I think the system should be um, – trying to work against that rigging so that the, the, the lottery of birth 
that if I'm going to be born into this country, what I want is an equal chance to succeed on my own merits, on my own ability to produce things that are valuable, that other people find valuable and want to give, you know, money for, regardless of where I am, where, where I'm born and where I grow up and what, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I don't, so what, what, what am I not seeing? Where am I, how am I wrong? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess I can't really say that you're wrong. What I can say is I just disagree with some of the fundamental things that you're building your argument on in the sense that, um, for starters, we're pro we're posing issues, right? That people are poor and they can't afford things, blah, blah, blah. And then we're saying, well, the solution to this is an inheritance tax, right? Yeah, it's, it's one of many solutions. <laughs> I just simply don't think it's a viable solution to the situation that they're in because it doesn't change fundamentally what the previous decisions that they've made in their life, for one. And two, it doesn't incentivize them to change their life going forward. Sometimes we and, – and this is kind of some of the, the root things that you're saying but you're not really describing. So uh, uh, I don't look at money as just a number in a bank account. I look at it like it represents something. And I don't think that it's as simple as a number in a bank account. Um, and therefore, we don't have a right to just take it and send it anywhere we want. Um, we have to have a valid claim on that money in order to take it. Um, and I don't think um, those principles are kind of coming together in a way that I don't see how this is providing a solution to a problem that we're, uh, we're trying to address. And I don't see how the government deserves that money uh, before the people that that person has designated to give it to. I generally think that people do need to be taxed in some way, right? But I think that one thing that we've kind of failed as a country as is saving money. And uh, we've kind of um, glorified um, helping people over preparing for our future as a country. And I don't think that we should be doing that because there's no way – that we're going to really change these people's lives by giving them something to eat. Um, they need to have the incentives required to change what they're doing in their life that has led them to that situation. And, and saying that you have a safety net is just another way of saying that you don't have consequences for your own actions. And that's what I think is wrong. Um, so like th those are some of the, the core things that don't get addressed with a lot of these things as far as taxation goes. Um, and, and generally speaking, I think our taxation system is ridiculously complicated and I, I don't really see any evidence that more taxation or higher percentages of people that make money um, is the, is the right answer to one, correct any wealth issues and two, generate more money for the government. And, um, and not only that, but as a third point to that, I don't think that a lot of the wealth in, that people have in this country is through generational wealth. And you can actually follow the statistics on that. I think that uh, like in 2005, there was quite a few Rockefellers that were in the top richest people in the country, um, like six or seven or something like that. But, you know, 20 years later, there was only two. Um, and, and, and that's what happens, I think, when we look at statistics. 
we kind of forget that those statistics are made up of individual people. And while there may be a lot of people that are in the the richest people in the in the world, it's made up of people that are constantly changing and switching around. It's not the same people all the time. Um, and I think that that fluidity is owed to principles of freedom and has nothing to do with the redistribution of wealth. <laughs> um, and 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 that's pretty much it. It's hard. It's hard for me to say. Well, I. I wouldn't do that for myself, so let me just be some sort of third-person arbiter for people that I think I have a solution for, and then uh, I'm just going to put this money over here, and it's going to solve all our problems. I don't think that money solves problems in that regard. It, it just doesn't fix anything, and we just use it and the people that we're trying to help as scapegoats to do something that's evil that we shouldn't be doing. That's pretty pretty broad claims there. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, at the same, at, at the same time, I think one of the reasons why I don't mind talking about this is because I, I know we're not going to leave this podcast and say, <laughs> uh, you're not going to walk out and be like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm a Republican now. And I wouldn't even say I'm a Republican or, uh, I, I think that having these conversations, the important part isn't that we change ideas, but that we expose each other to, the other ideas then we have a better pool of things to learn from and and decide at least on some sort of a reasonable level which one we think is better and i think that that discourse in and of itself is completely it's like completely disappearing in this country and and I, I only say that because it sounded like you're almost in despair there for a second <laughs> that you didn't understand why I didn't agree with you. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> understand. I, yeah. I, I don't get it. I really, I really don't understand. And, you know, you and I have done 10 hours of these recordings yeah. and I don't get it. Like, I don't understand how it, it, it's, it's so obviously <laughs> modern slavery to me that billionaires control that much resource. And the fact that you and other people that I talk to don't see it the way I see it, and we've spent ten hours trying to talk through it, and I, I don't, I don't get it. Like I, I don't understand. Like I, I know that you have all this economics one hundred and one, um, or not? Sorry, the, like sorry, classical economics, not one hundred and one. Sorry, you have all this classical economics understanding of how the world works, which is great. You, you know, way more about classical economics than I do, but I. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I try to give these these glimpses into a universe that I see as just insanely unfair. And I can't – it's so obvious to me that it's unfair. You can call it whatever. I don't know. It, it's it's slavery because the, the mighty U.S. dollar said so. I, and I don't – I don't understand how in these extreme cases, and I'm, and again, for the you know 50th time, I just feel like I'm talking in circles because I'm not talking about you can't take cl – classical economics works great amongst equals that make decisions and generally have a fair shot at, at you know, competition. I'm going to invent things or I'm going to sing a pretty song and you love that or I'm going to do whatever the fuck Kim Kardashian does to make millions of dollars. <laughs> I don't understand that, you know, what, but whatever it is, people like it and people give her money. Great. You know, I have no problem with that. I have no quarrel with that, but 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I, and we're not changing each other's minds, and we're not getting anywhere, and we're just repeating ourselves. So I don't, I don't see. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, Chris. I don't know what I'm not seeing that is. And and it's not just you. It's my brother has the exact same. I've had the exact same conversation with my brother. I cannot figure. And we've talked about this in a previous episode. Now I'm repeating an episode before this episode. So I, <laughs> I, I really don't get it. I, I understand why you think what you think in a classical model, in terms of a small group of people that made decisions and came to, and, and came to the the fruits of those decisions. I I totally get that. But when we have a country that's been churning around, churning for 300 years, and we have such insane disparity, it's not that people that are born today are making these decisions and that's where the money comes from and everyone had a fair shot at it. You know, and and I, I hear you saying, you know, over and over and over again, life isn't fair. I get it. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> but if we're going to have... Well, and you don't want a society. Well, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say that. You don't want a government that takes money by force to safety net people. I do. So we disagree on that. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I think we could be such a better country, so much better, because we have so much money. But it is so concentrated. <laughs> into assholes buying yachts and shit <laughs> that it drives me crazy and i don't understand why that's okay and you know that i guess we can just stop talking about money now because we've spent 10 hours talking about money we have uh, well like that's the only thing we've talked about so and 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 i think that uh there there may be some other fundamental things that you could uh and this is just me trying to be open and fair about it <laughs> There's other avenues that you could approach me and try to convince me that uh, you're right. All right. Tell tell me what that is. (laughs) And for starters, I don't think that statistics are a reason to take away the individual rights of others. Okay, so don't tell me what's not going to work. Tell me what is going to work. So what – that is kind of what I was going to go for. So like you can't tell me that, oh, hey, statistically, you need to give up your rights to own a gun. Okay, that's fine. We won't use stats. So – so that being said, I think that a lot of times what we do is we view statistics um, and we look at them in a very impersonable way, impersonal way. And we forget that they represent a lot of very personal choices that individual people are making. And it's the culmination of all those choices. Yeah. And we don't like what we see, right? Yeah. We don't like the statistic that there's wealth disparities, <laughs> right? Yeah. So we feel that because of that, we have the right to take power into a relatively few amount of people's hands and try to correct that injustice that we see on this piece of paper. So we're taking the culmination of a lot of individual choices and transferring the right to make those choices to a relatively few people. Mm -hmm. That is fundamentally what I disagree with with taxations. And, and things along those lines. And I fundamentally agree, disagree that doing such a thing is better for the country uh, because I think there is a lot more mundane knowledge into a larger subset of people that you need to leave those choices with as opposed to taking the money 
and concentrating it into a relatively few political elite individuals. Okay. Um, so we won't use stats. No. I got it. So I hear it, you, Chris. We will not use statistics so, to convince so you of anything. So that's just the background a little bit. Yeah. What you could do is try to establish moral grounds for what you want to do. I feel like a lot of times that's actually what I feel like I'm starting from. And and the statistics be damned as long as we're doing what is morally right for individuals. Okay, so what what ethical framework can I come at you with where you'll be uh, receptive to my argumentation? <laughs> well, I, I, I actually I don't know the answer to that because I feel like I'm always looking for counter arguments to what I have already do and feel is the right thing to do. So, so tell me, walk me through your ethical system. My ethical system is that people have a right to life and a right to live their life. Um, and they don't have a right to anybody else's life. And, and that is the very fundamental core thing, um, that I try to base a lot of my decisions, uh, both personally and politically on. And, um, I, I don't look, I don't look at things like, uh, other people have a right to my life. And I don't have a right to anybody else's life. And a lot of what um, these political things that we talk about with money is in my – so like – and this is what's interesting to me is that I generally feel the same thing about you, right? Like I feel like I'm proposing this flawless argument and I don't – and this isn't just for you. This is generally people that I disagree with. (laughs) I mean of course I'm always right. You know, like I kind of have a lot of – empathy for my wife who has to deal with this guy that's always right all the time, you know, and he's never been wrong, but I guess I was wrong once about being wrong. I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) but I I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that uh, you're saying that a a person with a lot of savings and paying people to do things is slavery uh, because they are really not doing anything. I look at things that where taxation is forcing people to work for no real benefit to themselves, but for the benefit of others, that is by definition slavery in the sense that we're taking a portion of what you're doing and transferring the productivity of that work to another person. And we're not returning anything to you, right? We're just saying that we have a right to do that. That is fundamentally what slavery is, that we have a right. You know, slaveholders said, I have a right to the life of this person. So I've got 60 yachts and I'm a slave. Uh, not a slave, um, but the portion that's taking away uh, from that person without returning to him something in return is closer to slavery than that person that owns a yacht paying somebody to drive his yacht around. <laughs> and a working mother working three jobs to try to survive for minimum wage. That's not slavery. That's that's uh, that's her version of being born five, five foot five, and I can't do anything about that. Sure, you could. You could vote for me, and I could implement a system where we take one of those fucking sixty yachts <laughs> and we split it up, and now she can make a, a living wage. But that's a safety net, and you don't want that. Uh, it's just that I don't consider that money that they've made our money. It's his money, and 
Um, I just don't have a right to it. Why do you assume it's a man, Chris? Uh, I, I meant women <laughs> own sixty yachts too, Chris. <laughs> I meant his money in the form of uh, his money when his means anyone. <laughs> yeah. So, so what you told me is your ethical system is live and let live, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, how do I, if if the whole of ethics is live and let live, then nobody has any influence over anybody ever. And there's no, there's no right or wrong about how people treat each other anyway, other than leave them alone. Right. As long as you leave them alone, everything's fine. Uh, well, that's uh, keep in mind too. That's just one of the, the beginning levels of, of things that I think are moral. I mean, we could, we can develop things uh, that kind of come from that. You know, like uh, I think we were talking the other day about um, pronouns and how, you know, I'm generally a nice person, you know, and I, I, uh, if somebody wants to be called she and they're a biological male, you know, I'm not going to like make a big deal out of it. I'll call you what you want. You know, to me, that in and of itself is not a moral issue, uh, except when it comes to how far, um, I'm willing to go along with the delusion <laughs> and you know, how much do I have to participate in your delusion or whatever, you know, like, so, and, and that's kind of like, a a way out there thing away from finances. I, I guess my point is, is that, um, uh, I don't think, um, morality, um, is based on statistics. I don't believe that it's based upon, uh, empathy. And I don't believe that morality is based on, a lot of the principles and themes that people solicit in order to get an emotional response out of me. Basically what I'm trying to say is, is that I think that reason and reality and living in the world in which we live, um, is the conditions upon which I make these decisions. And one of the grounding things is, um, I have a right to live my life and I don't have a right to anybody else's life. And, and, that's the one one of the core things that I can't violate. Okay. <laughs> and 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 you can even look back at the conversations. A lot of that is um, I, I'm even looking for an answer uh, to that question. In a lot of cases, you know, I think we even started off by saying I didn't think that we had. Um, a, a moral justification to take the inheritance of other people. Um, what, what right do we have to the money that they've earned, especially more than the descendants of, of that person that earned it, uh, especially when that person has designated where he wants those funds to go. And in the utilitarian framework, what happens is if there's 10 million people in our country that are miserable and there's 5,000 people who have more money than they can ever spend in 50 lifetimes. And you take some of that money away and you give it to the, however many I said, people that are miserable and it improves their lives. Then from a utilitarian mathematical standpoint, you have improved the world. Congratulations, ethical system. You've done it. <laughs> You've made the world a better place. Yeah. So that's how I look at it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. So we should probably just stop talking about money. <laughs> Yeah. Like, so we'll have to pick another topic for next time that's something more concrete because we have lots of conversations that aren't anything like the podcast. Um, 
Well, the one I gave you the, I, that took me two weeks to edit uh, was about affirmative action. So that's not about money, right? Oh, did I not take it to um, income inequality? Somehow? Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe I, I don't. Did. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess um, maybe uh, maybe we can scope oh, out. No, that, okay, that that are that one started. That one started with hey, uh, I just started, a, or you and I just started a company. That's how that one started. Oh yeah. So and then that, then I tried to throw a bunch of scenarios at you. Yeah. And you hate st- you hate taking statistics at face value, et cetera. That was that conversation. So go listen to that episode. No. No, I mean, I, I, I agree with statistics in the sense that they should be a part of a debate, but they're not going to change my moral stance on any issue. That's 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 the point I was trying but to make. But your moral that. stance so far, all you've told me is live and let live. Right. That is one of the core ones that I try not to violate, yes. Okay. So if you have more to your ethics than that, I haven't heard it yet. So you can yeah. tell me if you want to. I mean, you can, we can do that next time or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would <laughs> be hard. Well, I think people are complicated, and really, to talk to anybody about an all-encompassing moral set of morals that they live by would be a very difficult topic to tackle. No. I wouldn't even know where to start. Utilitarianism. Like, you buy the John Stuart Mill book, boom, there's my ethical system. <laughs> you run math on everybody, and you're done. <laughs> run that's, math. How, that's, how math, that's how ethics works. Like the Borg, I guess. Correct. Yeah. Everybody's a spreadsheet to me. <laughs> <laughs> and depending on how hard you're suffering, I may or may not give you one yeah. of my box of one of my donuts out of my huge box of donuts. You got donuts? I don't. Oh, see, <laughs> donuts are like my my uh, your, your my, second pillar of your ethical system is donuts. No, no it's like my heroin <laughs> donuts, man. My dad was a cop, and and uh, he would always get mad at people when they made fun of him for being a cop and their relationship to donuts. And I'd be like, man, I love donuts. Give me more donuts. Did your dad like donuts? No, he didn't. Well, he said he didn't, but I think that's just because he didn't like the stereotype. I, uh, Let's talk about that next time. Donuts. Your dad being a cop. <laughs> we haven't even talked about your military service either. So let's do yeah. that next time. Yeah, we can do that. But yeah, we, we'll just <laughs> stay away from money. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've talked through it. Like, there's nothing else to say. I don't think on that all that stuff. So, yeah, and I think that ten that's, hours of talking about it is a lot. So, yeah. Well, and and maybe you're suppressing some anger, anger, and you want to just like stand up and and like throw that heavy microphone at my head. And I'm not and, mad at you. I'm just trying I, to understand. And I no, don't. I don't. And I don't no, understand. So, no. Well, my point was is that maybe you're doing that internally, but I think the important part is to have a discussion about it. Yeah. I mean that. That's the only way to be rational people is to at least be exposed to both sides, which is something that you're kind of doing and something I'm doing. And I'm not trying to say that one of us will eventually switch, but I think if you do that enough, you do gain enough knowledge to make a better choice about what you believe in ultimately. And I, I think that that's – I think that we, we, we've we had too much of a society where a side, no matter what it is, is suppressed. Uh, case in Case in point, I think – we had so many conversations outside with our dogs and, and, uh, and you told me, talked about things that I didn't know or hear or see anything about related to COVID and maybe it's lethality and things like that. Um, we had several conversations about that. Um, and, and, and I think that that might be because maybe I suppress avenues of information, um, that would normally provide me with that information that, that, you seek out, you know, and I, I think that that's important in having 
um, external input into your decision, decision-making is being open to other ideas and concepts, whether or not you agree with them. I think that's vitally important to having an adult advanced society. And it, it, it seems unfortunate to me that we are drifting away from that as a society. Oh, I thought you, you, you and I were. I no, like, no. Like as generally speaking, oh. I feel like we can't talk about stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not me and you, but everybody. <laughs> All right. Are we going to wrap this one up then? Yeah. Since we've gone far from generational wealth. Uh, so, all right. Well, thank you for listening to Jay Flaunt's Ignorance. That was episode 37. It's going to be, and we'll talk to you again soon about something totally different. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thanks.